Hello and welcome to Weed Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. I'm glad to be doing this episode. And for this one, we actually have a special guest joining us to discuss this film. He is a lover of all things all things film and filmmaking, as well as the host of the podcast A Man on a Mattress Who Watches Movies, my older brother, Derek Vandergrift. Thank you for being here, Derek. Oh, thank you for having me. I am super honored to be invited. And we are honored to have you as our guest as well. And as always, spoilers ahead for Spirited Away. So we know you're not really someone who watches anime, but we thought you would be a great guest for this episode because then you kind of have an outside perspective, and we were wondering how well this film resonates with non-anime watchers. Well, uh, I, yeah, I wasn't really a huge fan of anime growing up. I think the, the closest I ever got to being a fan of any anime was watching Pokemon, but that was, it was kind of done for an American audience. And Something that I've realized in retrospect after seeing Spirited Away is that uh, Miyazaki actually based a lot of the story structure on American filmmaking in the way that, that you would tell a story. So I, I do actually think that this resonates really well for non-anime watchers. As you mentioned, Spirited Away is a Japanese film, and it was directed by Hayao Miyazaki, and it was uh, animated by Studio Ghibli. With the production starting in 2000, the film was released in Japan on July 20th of 2001. One of Miyazaki's friends managed to convince Walt Disney Pictures to buy the film's North American distribution rights. He then served as the executive producer of the English dub. This man is someone you would probably recognize, Derek, and this is John Lasseter. Yeah, he's my favorite misogynist, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, it's really nice to know that they actually have a, a real true friendship because Miyazaki actually pays tribute to Lasseter and Pixar by including the little nod to the uh, jumping lantern that we see in the movie. It's really, it's really nice to see that connection. Okay, it was weird because when I was watching, rewatching it the other day, I'm... I'm staring at the lamp and I'm just something about it. I'm just like, this is familiar. Don't know what. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Cause <laughs> after you said that, I was like, I didn't know if it's because I've, I've watched the movie before and I'm just like, okay, I just know certain parts, but like I was watching it and I'm just like, why does that, why does that one little part look sound like so familiar? Yeah. And I couldn't put it my It just resonated it's, with me. <laughs> it's such a cute Easter egg. I, I, I love that. I love that little nod. And not to mention, the film was a hit back when it was released, and it went on to gross $352 million worldwide, while also receiving many awards, one which of being Oscar for Best Animated Feature, the first anime to win in an Academy Award. Many claim that this film is the greatest anime film ever made. I personally think, and maybe Joshua as well, but this is a very bold claim to be made. And I think there's plenty of movies that can rival it. But I'm curious as to what you or your thoughts are on this claim and what are some of your favorite things about this film? So I actually spoke about this in one of my episodes briefly on my podcast, but Something that I really like about Studio Ghibli is the way that they treat their animated films. They don't leave a shot stationary. They have the camera, quote unquote, pan up or down or with the characters. They move with them, uh, which is part of part of the reason why I feel as if I enjoy this more than the typical anime is because a lot of them are, are very cheap made so they have these stationary characters with the background just moving really fast behind you but this one is very detailed the animation is hand-drawn most of it and because of that detail it it really just gives you this awesome cinematic experience 
With that said, I can see why so many claim that it is the greatest animated film ever. Do I share that same sentiment? No. <laughs> but I I think that it held it might have even held that that because there are movies that have come out since then that have like you said Bobby rivaled it. But maybe it did hold that that title for the longest time and I think it's because of the way that they were able to mend these different cultures and storytelling styles together and and make it something that could collect 352 million dollars worldwide <laughs> yeah one thing but no i oh sorry but i yeah I don't, I don't think it's the greatest film of all time and one thing joshua and i were talking a little bit earlier and he mentioned is that even though it is almost 20 years old it's graphics or I guess design has almost stand the test of time. Like it's still really good for even nowadays, especially for like animated films. Granted, it's not like 3D as in like Pixar, like Toy Story 3D, but for being what it is, it's if you showed anyone this film, I doubt they would say it was made in 2000, 2001. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's very crisp and clear and beautifully designed. But I think because of that, it, it's going to have a timeless effect. Um, I think that any movie that you feel as if it, it's not that dated, it's, it's because they took the time to make sure that it's going to be a story that can be told for generations. And you were kind of mentioning that, well, you already said that you don't think it's the best animated film. What one do you think tops this one? Well, I my favorite animated movie of all time is actually a recent one. It's uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, oh, and, and such a yeah, good one. It's fantastic. But here's the thing is that it kind of shares a lot of similarities with, with Miyazaki and the way that he tells stories. I mean, because he is bringing together all these different elements that you don't really know what's happening right away you sit there wondering like oh what you know for example in spirit away what are these paper things flying around you know what you you there are things that you're questioning the whole time and you don't get the answers and the tr and the filmmakers don't treat you like an idiot um so i think that spider-man into the spider-verse does that very same thing it brings in a whole bunch of different cultures including adding a anime character in penny parker so yeah i can see a lot of similarities where i think that a lot of animators actually see miyazaki as an inspiration yeah and i would definitely agree that spider-verse is a fantastic choice for your number one animated fi uh, film and you. as you mentioned a little <laughs> earlier with how this has nothing stationary about it, I have noticed that when I was watching it, I just, there was always something happening. And as you mentioned, most anime are cheaply done where if the focal point isn't the background, everything's going to be frozen. And with this, it's, it's just very dynamic. But, you know, and I, I will say in defense of anime, I don't know why I am so critical of it. I think it's just a cultural shift because it's not like Family Guy offers me a lot of very awesome shots or anything, <laughs> too. But I, I tend to love that kind of animation. So I think it, I think it is just a cultural difference. And I recognize that. So fair enough. So some inspiration for Spirited Away. But he was also inspired by his grandparents and that generation and their beliefs with spirits lying everywhere within rivers, trees, insects, basically everywhere. So mm. a quote from him is, in my grandparents' time, it was believed that Kami, gods, existed everywhere, in trees, rivers, insects, wells, anything. My generation does not believe this, but I like the idea that we should all treasure everything because spirits might exist there. And we should treasure everything because there's a kind of life to everything. So I really liked this quote because you can, just from hearing it, see how exactly this impacted Spirited Away. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I mean, even the way that they treat every character is, I mean, even minor ones that might only have 10 minutes of screen time, they treat it with such respect and it, it the message resonates with you. And I, I feel like as if he took that message and really ran with it. For sure. And speaking of Spirited Away, continuing on with the actual story now, the movie starts with an upset Ch- Chichiro? Chihiro. Yep. Chihiro. 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 Yep. Uh, God, I'm terrible at pronouncing these names. Ogino? Yeah. Ch- and her parents moving to a new town. While driving, Chihiro's father takes a wrong turn, which leads them to a dirt road and, like every prideful dad on a road <laughs> trip, claims <laughs> that it is a short cut. And at the end of the path, they enc- encounter a large well that contains a mysterious tunnel. Insert secret tunnel meme here. Being the only sane person in the group, Chihiro exclaims that she does not like this and doesn't want to go through. But, you know, like most parents, they don't give a fuck, and they plan on abandoning their daughter at the car while they go and explore, because why not? Though... Just wait. Just wait in the car. Just we'll be back. <laughs> we'll put the AC on. We'll we'll yeah. leave the radio. We'll crack on. a window. <laughs> yeah. is like their dog. <laughs> <laughs> Through it, there is an abandoned theme park, and while exploring the park, they follow their noses to an empty restaurant that is stocked with a massive buffet of food. And so, like naturally, as any other sane person would do, after stumbling across a buffet in a vacant theme park that's not suspicious at all why there's fresh food there Chihiro's friends decide and to dig in yeah it's, it's just some things like people do I don't know like I'm just gonna start eating this food here that's left out like what if it was somebody else's food that they're just using the restroom like so inconsiderate well it is someone else's food that's yeah. why they get to come up it yeah, that's true <laughs> So um, something I noticed at the beginning of the film is uh, right before they left the paved road and entered that dirt road that was supposed to be a shortcut, they paused briefly so you could see the scene. And against the tree near the car, there was a tori, which is an open gate that is found at the entrance of all Shinto shrines in Japan. And they marked the transition from the secular world to the sacred world, and these gates were believed to allow spirits to travel between worlds. They, And as they started driving, they mentioned the shrines that were on the ground and how they believed to house spirits. And just right away from the beginning, knowing the um, history or the meaning behind the Tori and these little spirit boxes, they definitely throw at you a huge foreshadow of what is about to happen on their little adventure and i found that really cool there are also a lot of japanese and chinese wordplay on the signs in the town as they're traveling to the buffet Um, i won't really get into that a whole lot because i don't know enough japanese to break it down Um, but i found a website that was explaining a lot of the double meanings behind it because i know enough japanese to like see certain words like there was life and heaven was in a lot of areas around it and that kind of made me think of like the spirit world and i don't think that was a mistake obviously but i just thought it was very interesting to see all this little meaning right in the beginning of the movie yeah they they really focus on detail but i also like that they don't really go into explaining much about Mm -hmm. it Uh, again it's it's as if the filmmakers are not treating you as if you need to be spoon-fed everything uh whether you know about the culture or not it kind of gives you that push to maybe explore the culture a little bit more and learn things that you didn't know i i think it's i think it's beautifully done and i actually didn't really notice the shinto shrines or the tori rather like i mean because it, it, again it, it's just such a passing mention mm-hmm. but then when you rewatch it it you it's like oh my gosh yeah of course of yeah. course this is pushing everything into motion the only reason i noticed the tori was because taylor was getting up for a minute so i paused it and as i was sitting there and she was up in the kitchen grabbing a snack or something i was staring at the screen and i noticed it and i'm like thought to myself if i didn't 
analyze the scene, that would have been completely oblivious to me. And that's an... and isn't that like a sign of a really good movie though? Is something mm-hmm. that you could watch over and over again and find something new to to yeah, witness. Absolutely. And that kind of goes back to what Derek was saying about how it's not like spoon fed to you because they give no meaning to what like a Tory is. They just mm-hmm. kind of put it there, but they mm-hmm. give you enough significance. Like you said, it's in the scene and now you won't ever forget it because you will always know it's there. And like every movie, if you ever watch when a show or movie, anything shows importance to an everyday object or anything that just seems out of place, you know, that's going to come up later on. And mm-hmm. yep. kind of like how he said, it kind of, almost makes you explore the culture more you may be wondering like why is that gate so significant like is there a reason for them to show that before they're driving in like is it a gateway or like what is it and it will lead you to looking at it and then you can learn more about the culture so it's not spoon fed to you but if you know it then it just adds to that effect of what this Mm -hmm. scene does but even if you don't know it and you kind of like just look at it briefly you you get that wonder, like, that wanderlust of like, wait, if you watch it again, like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, Miyazaki, he's so great. Oh, isn't he, though? <laughs> so after walking away from her gluttonous parents, she Tahiro finds herself in front of this extraordinary bathhouse. And to her surprise, a boy actually walks out of it. So this town isn't abandoned. And after making contact with the boy, he yells at her and tells her to leave before it gets dark. Chihiro, not even wanting to be here, is like, don't have to tell me twice. I'm getting out of here. (laughs) (laughs) So she runs and she starts to notice this world changing. These spirits start flooding the streets and this once abandoned town starts to come to life. Now, Chihiro is pretty scared at this point, so she has to find her parents and once she does, she finds out they've paid the price for their, their gluttony, and they've been turned into pigs. So Chihiro runs, and she hides from these horrors. And while she's hiding, she discovers that she is actually slowly disappearing. Not only have your parents turned to okay. pigs, you are now turning into thin air. What a... Yeah. That animation is is gorgeous too because I like how they show the fairy through her hands mm-hmm. and they also show a, a, the shot where they're looking at her face and she puts her arm up and you can see her eyes through her arm. Mm-hmm. But oh my gosh, the animation is so beautiful that they did that without any CG is is great. And it wasn't just right. like a simple transparent thing where you could just see like right through it. As you mentioned, like her covering her eyes, but you could still see it and it wasn't just like just an opaque thing like going like oh you're at 100 percent opacity let's just slowly bring you down to zero yeah <laughs> so after she realizes she's slowly disappearing the boy who told her to leave manages to find her and more or less forces a pill down her throat but luckily the pill was good and she becomes solid again and the boy introduces himself as haku and promises to Chihiro to help her escape. He plans to bring Chihiro into the bathhouse and places a spell on her that makes her invisible to all the other spirits. But in order to do that, she has to hold her breath while she crosses this bridge. And as they go to cross it, she tries to hold her breath as much as she can, but it's a movie. The problem's not going to be solved (laughs) that easily. So, of course, she ends up taking a little breath, and they get spotted almost immediately but they manage to escape and haku gives chihiro some instructions on how to get a job at the bathhouse so she can stay in the spirit world long enough to save her parents because if she doesn't she will end up being turned into an animal and right before haku leaves he also gives her like a little hint slash foreshadowing that he has known her since she was very little yeah, that definitely okay, added a mystery to him. Yeah, they don't they did not answer that until the very end. Yeah. And yeah, it was just like they briefly hit the point a little past halfway that kind of gives you a hint that she knows him too, but we'll get into that a little little later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um on the bridge was actually the first time we see No Face, 
and I noticed that despite Chihiro supposedly being invisible, No Face seems to be able to see her because he's looking at her the entire time as she's passing him on the bridge. I found that kind of interesting because nobody else could see her, but No Face seemed to be able to sense her presence. And every time I go into like box lunch or like any place that sells like anime memorabilia or like figurines, whatever you want to call them, collectibles, every time I see No Face, I always think it is a Menos Grande from Bleach. Like the minute I see yeah. him, I'm like, why do they have, like, I don't, people would like him. I was like, no doubt about it. But I'm like, why are they always, and I was like, wait, the mask is slightly different. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not I definitely him. Think, I definitely think that's some sort of um, cultural, cultural thing because of the similarities are too, they're too similar to not be something within like Shinto. Well, I, will, I don't know Bleach, obviously. I'm not an anime watcher, <laughs> but I have seen that face in, in multiple things, or in multiple productions. So it's not, I don't think it's that uncommon to even think that it, it's outside of just these two mm -hmm. projects. Right. So, so after making her way into the bathhouse, she makes her way in, first she enters the boiler room. Where there is a man that I can't remember his name, Kaji, but they Kajari, Kajari, or it starts with a K. Um, hold on, let me just Kaji or Ka... Oh my God, it's like a... it's like Kaji. Yeah, it's like yeah. at the tip of my uh, tongue. It's like K K A J I. Kamaji. Kamaji. Or Kamaji. There it. you go. Yeah. So. Say we knew. Yeah. <laughs> so the boiler room man named Kamaji. That's who she meets up with. And she sort of becomes his friend in a way. It's like a, a frustrated babysitting kind of way. He's just like, you're messing everything up. Go sit in the corner, but I'll protect you if you need it. So he ends up pawning her off on another worker and tells her to take Chihiro to Yubaba. So a few scenes of sneaking around and avoiding trouble, Chihiro makes her way to Yubaba. And I have to say... I loved these scenes because there's just so much going on that you do not know what to look at. I mm -hmm. absolutely love this. And this is where <laughs> the statement confidence is key because oh, what I can't remember her name, but the person that's helping her, Sen or nope, Sen Lynn. Lynn, yeah, she gets asked like why she smells a human or something on her and she does not bat an eye she does not hesitate she just goes on like it's her everyday business and nobody suspects anything yeah she she really uh worked her way worked her magic on that one so <clears throat> she managed to get Chihiro to yubaba and yubaba reluctantly makes a deal with Chihiro after a lot of nagging and Chihiro waking up yubaba's child so she finally was like, fine, I'll make a deal with you. You can get a job here. But the deal is Chihiro must surrender her name to you, Baba. In exchange, she will be granted a job. So she agrees, and she signs her name on a contract, which Yubaba literally pulls the words from the paper, leaving behind the name Sen, which is now the name that Chihiro must go by while working at the bathhouse. So in many cultures your name can, can be considered sacred as it holds a special meaning to each person and a name binds people that you see in this and in many other anime as well so not knowing where you are in this world if you were put into this situation uh, what would you would you have written your own name down or do you think you would have like attempted to pull a fast one on you baba and like write a fake name to try getting around this whole contract thing. Yeah, I, I think I would. I mean, <laughs> she's not going to get past me. Do you know how many fake names I've made up <laughs> to get like email subscriptions? <laughs> and like, so yeah, no, it, it's not, it's not to say, like, I, I would absolutely probably be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go with one of my nicknames from the past. Like, <laughs> okay, but we have, oh, to, <laughs> we have to, one thing I want to clarify is, you're like a 10-year-old child right now. Yeah, I mean, Derek was a pretty cunning child. 
I mean, it, it, it's, it's absolutely true. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I would get out of gym class by like signing my dad's signature and they didn't <laughs> catch on until like the eighth grade. So yeah, I, I was a pretty cunning 10 year old, but yeah, I, I would also, I would also have to put in consideration like, dude, my parents were just turned into pigs and <laughs> like, there are spirits that are floating around me. Yeah. I don't think that I would be in the right state of mind. So you have a good point, Bobby. Touche. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't think I could have done that just because of it. Cause she literally does magic in front of her. Yeah. If I saw I mean, like spirits and stuff, I would have been like, okay, like I'm in the spirit world. Like there's a lot of like cunning going on and stuff. Like I could potentially, but as soon as I saw that girl whip out magic, I would have been like, I listen, I just saw my parents turn to pigs. She's got this magic <laughs> thing going on. I don't know. It doesn't sound like people are very friendly to humans. I'm probably going to stick with just writing my real name. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> and so after this whole contract is signed, she, as you mentioned, is tasked to work within the bathhouse. And this is when she kind of starts to notice that No Face is just kind of like chilling outside being the and being the kind of hearted girl she is. She lets him in the bathhouse. And then she goes on about her business. And then in the meantime, the, they get, the bathhouse gets like a code red going on. There's this large stink mm. spirit starting to enter the bathhouse. And everyone's kind of like going crazy. And then, of course, they pawn, her, pawn him, it, her, whatever spirit you want to call it, onto Chihiro as, as kind of like a hazing to the new person. And Yubabo, as we mentioned, forces her to clean but this actually kind of like backfires because no face inadvertently helps chihiro out by giving her these like special tags that kamanji ends up using to bring in water for the different like bathhouses and if you get certain ones there are certain ones that are better than others and so after she manages to get a handful of all these like really good bath tags she uses it and she cleans the stink spirit and it actually turns out to be a river spirit and after being like cleansed and the river spirit goes away he ends up giving Chihiro a raw a raw round ball of some kind which I don't think does that get explained later on because it doesn't get explained um, like directly right no it gets explained no, but... a little bit they use it yeah i mean it again it's it's one of those things that it, you're allowed to do your own research and maybe you can find the answer to it but we don't we don't have time to go into a five minute explanation like you know uh i think it's kind of cool that they just introduced this little ball and you're supposed to just go with it yeah it's from the spirit world of course it's supposed to help <laughs> yeah they even kind of like do a little bit of experimentation when chihiro she takes a bite out of it so it kind of gives us the idea that it's food of some sort but it's really gross and maybe just thinking about it like she ate it she doesn't like it so it must be like some medicine of some kind they never really explicitly sp explain but through the experimentation and just using it, we eventually learn that it's some sort of healing property. So, which actually, this scene where she takes a bite out of it is a scene I wanted to talk about briefly. Because after this work, she is sitting on a balcony, kind of looking out over the vast sea. And I feel like this scene just from looking at it, i got a sort of feeling of symbolism in here some sort of symbolic meaning of how alone chihiro actually is despite her being surrounded by spirits in this bathhouse and everyone helping her she is still so alone and looking out over the sea she is so close to home yet she is miles of, like worlds apart and i was wondering what your thoughts on the scene are derek and if you have any other maybe scenes that you think have symbolism as well that really stuck out to you. <clears throat> well, so far, it well, we have mentioned that No Face noticed uh, Chihiro as she was crossing the bridge, even though no one else was noticing her. Um, we also had the part where she actually goes and visits her parents with, um, oh, gosh, what's... Um, okay. 
Haku, yeah, thank you. So yeah, there's that scene where she goes and visits the pigs with Haku, and as she crosses the bridge, she actually bows to um, No Face. Mm. And so that's why he, I don't think he was ever shown kindness before. Everyone just went past him, ignored him, didn't invite him into the bathhouse. So we're, we're seeing that she is giving out all this kindness, but is not receiving any of it back. Mm-hmm. She just polluted or just uh, unpolluted a whole river by getting all the gunk out of that stink spirit. And yet she received none of the rewards, didn't get any of the gold. Um, so I think it's just showing the exhaustion of helping others, but not really getting anything back other than the kindness from Lynn and the kindness from the boiler room man. So I, I think that, that, yeah, you really hit the nail on the head, Joshua, that it's just a, a brilliant shot that doesn't, she doesn't need to tell you how lonely she is, but considering she went through all that and is still sitting there and has to be delivered food as opposed to being the first one to eat it. Yeah, it's it's a really striking scene and it's very beautiful and it's and it's kind of heartbreaking. Absolutely. And I actually I didn't even put two and two together about her bowing to no face. Um I I actually that overlooked that part cuz that is probably the part where he gets this fixation on Chihiro because he has mm-hmm. shown this shine shown this kindness like you said that he's probably never been given before so that's why he's so obsessed with her and always being around her so i really like that like like you guys were saying like you can just look through it and find new things every time you rewatch this film it's fantastic yeah and it's funny how everyone resonates or no face has become such a big character that there's even like those plushies and stuff because if you really think about it he only actually says maybe five lines in this entire movie. I mean, his lines are, well, his lines are not even his own voice when he does speak. Yeah, right. And then through his own voice, uh-huh. his... Uh, uh. <laughs> he always yeah. sounds so... So much, uh, so much emotion comes through that, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could speak to people like that. <laughs> Rest Just of the a- podcast. Just don't even yeah. speak mm-hmm. and have everyone just understand you. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. He, he has become a really big, like, mascot for Spirited Away. Which is funny because he, like, he's not even the main character. Like, yeah, he, he's in yeah. really, if you think about it, he's literally in one scene. And that's the bathhouse where he swallows a couple people, give out gold. And then other than that, he, he's he just, just follows. follows. Yeah, like, he's doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he's adorable though. He is. But anyway, while looking over this ocean and reminiscing on her time here, she sees Haku appear in the distance and he's in his dragon form and he's being attacked by these like paper birds, which are winning. As we can see, he's plummeting out of the sky and he's really struggling with them and he barely manages to escape Haku. Um, sees Chihiro and enters her room and Chihiro manages to shut the doors. But Chihiro notices he's bleeding everywhere. He's dying and she needs to find him help. But he like leaves and makes his way to Yubaba's room. And Chihiro just radiating helpful energy and just being the kind soul that she is, she climbs up to Yubaba's room to find Haku and help him. But as she's doing this, one of these paper birds attaches her or attaches itself to Chihiro. So she climbs to Yubaba's room where she encounters Yubaba's child, this crow, and of course the dying Haku. And as she's trying to help him, the paper bird manifests into what looks like Yubaba, and we believe it's Yubaba at first, but she explains that she's her twin sister, Zaniba. And she plans on killing Haku, but she mentions that Haku is going to die because she stole this he stole this steel seal from her. And after Haku like uses his last bit of energy to slice the paper in half that is manifesting Zaniba, she vanishes and then Haku collapses and they fall 
down the chute. And the mouse and bird. I'm sorry, I totally skipped that part. <laughs> While Zaniba is manifested, she turns Yubaba's child into a mouse and her crow into a very small bird. So Haku and Chihiro are falling down this well sort of thing, the chute, and so is the mouse and crow. And as they're falling, she's grabbing onto Haku and just briefly we see some sort of memory come to Haku. I'm sorry. Some sort of memory come to Chihiro where she is riding or with Haku in some sort of body of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that so was a cool. mouthful there. <laughs> <laughs> we got there, though. We got there. It's, it's the journey. It's all about the journey. So... How do you feel about all this blood that you see all over the walls and like spewing out of Haku's mouth? Because this film was originally intended for a young audience. Granted, it's nearly two decades old now. But um, how do you feel about the use of blood in this animated film versus the lack of blood in other films? You know, it's strange because growing up, animated movies really didn't treat you like a kid like there i feel like there are so many instances where i saw like in the land before time i saw open wounds and stuff um and it's only recently in the last two decades where more grotesque imagery has been frowned upon and i don't know if it's because i'm getting older or it's because society is shaping my opinion on what is acceptable for younger audiences but yeah it's a bit jarring i i will admit but i'm also saying this as a fan of horror so <laughs> feels a little it feels a little weird saying that um but yeah no i i think it's i think it's a little it's a little jarring to say the least yeah and i suppose you're right because i didn't think about it but like in the lion king we literally witness an assassination so but the funny thing like, is they do it right. so well that as a kid, you don't even realize, like, that actually happened. Yeah, I actually had no idea what happened the first time I saw Lion King. I'm just like, what happened? Like, did Scar do that? Like, <laughs> I don't I don't quite get it. But, yeah, I actually I forgot it... about all the blood until I rewatched it, and I was just like, wow. Yeah, looking at it, like, they have the smears all across the, the f- floor and walls and stuff. And I'm just like, whoa, like, this mm-hmm. is this is really graphic, but it's beautiful it's very graphic yeah they made it very and i think that's another reason yeah and i think that's another reason that it it is a little bit more uh digestible is because of how beautiful it is like if it was done in in a really grotesque and mean-spirited way uh spirited (laughs) um (laughs) then yeah I, i think that it it would be a little bit more offensive but mm-hmm. the beauty of miyazaki i guess you get you can get past that <laughs> it was just so natural you didn't even really think twice about it yeah yeah but i like i said i i don't know i if i had kids i would be i would check on them after i, I don't think i would say no you can't watch this or really be like are you okay <laughs> like are you, are you good and so while they're in the boiler room, this is when Chihiro brings out this the round ball she received earlier, and she feeds it to Haku, and the whatever properties that round ball had, it helped Haku, and it ended up forcing him to spit out. We don't know it's a seal yet, but just some like metallic thing. But then there's also like this black slug. And she tries to step on it, and it's like, it's actually, I kind of like this scene. It's actually kind of funny how she's, like, trying to squash it, and then it's, like, just barely moving up and, like, trying to get, like, climb up and everything. And then she finally, like, squashes it. And one thing I want to look at, look up, because I don't understand the whole thing, is, like, they had to, she had to bring her fingers, like, her, like, middle finger and thumb on both hands into like an O shape or something, and then someone had to come and like break it. Break it, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I think he's just. I think he was just fucking with her. Yeah. Because at that point, I, I think yeah, he because we've seen that the, like you said earlier, he's kind of like a protective like babysitter, and he he there's a part where he, she falls asleep after 
uh, escaping for a little bit and roaming around the bathhouse and he finds her sleeping, he, he puts a blanket on her. So at this point, we see that he's starting to care about her. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something to like calm her down and then give you know the, something the parents something to laugh at like oh how many times have i told my kid that they have to like hop on one foot to mm-hmm. like cure this or you know something you know i think that he's just fucking with her yeah because i mean it's kind of like a placebo because she is a child and they'll believe a lot of things so it's probably just to yeah. ease her mind see my only counter to that is when the rat does it the little whatever i think they were just impressionable they did it too. Yeah. Because I uh-huh. felt like it was a like baby a, too. What is it? Like a superstition. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it could be, but they played it off, I felt to be funny. And my partner, Simi, he kind of felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Not, I think. I think. I don't want to speak for him, but I'm pretty sure that he did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I just want to make a small correction. I think we did know it was the seal at this point because Zaniba mentioned it before they fell. So after she ends up killing the slug, she ends up deciding now she has a she has a goal and she wants to end up saving Haku, not only her parents but Haku in the process. And so now she has to go and return this seal to Zeniba? Zeniba? Zeniba. 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 And Kamaji what was his name again? Kamaji? Uh, Kamaji. Kamaji. Kamaji helps Chihiro by giving her a train ticket who he also mentions it's a one-way trip if she's like are you sure you want to go once you go you really have no way of coming back and she goes I'll just walk the tracks back if I have to she's dead set on going and save returning the seal and saving Haku yeah, and this also shows the huge dedication and kind-heartedness of Chihiro. Like, she doesn't know how far this distance is. She's going by train, and she's going to walk back. Like, that just shows, like, she's willing to go the extra mile, if you will. She's seriously such an amazing character. After, I mean, after seeing this movie for so many years, it feels like she's a part of my family in a lot of ways. And I, I absolutely 100% root for her and care for her every step of the way Mm -hmm. agreed it's like i don't know her but i would die for her (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely that's not even like hyperbole (laughs) she's the embodiment of ride or die exactly (laughs) y'all so after a lengthy train ride to swamp bottom i believe it was called chihiro Mm -hmm. comes face to face with the evil zaniba who actually turns out to be a really nice lady. Like, I thought she was going to be this evil witch, but she's just, she's so sweet. Um, and after returning the seal to Zaniba, she then sits down and takes the time to weave Chihiro a hair tie that she said will protect her because her friends um, helped make it for her, the, the mouse and the bird that hitched right on Chihiro's shoulder. And in the meantime... Which is, uh, so... Yeah. I do want to say really quick, uh, I, I love the subtle flux, uh, flux, uh, sorry, flex rather of their animation skills by doing that little shimmer on the hair tie. It's mm-hmm. so cool looking. Yes. I, I even briefly mentioned the hair, the, the shimmer at the end too. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just want to mention it because they, they do not shy away from any, anytime that thing is visible. They're like, oh, yeah. dude, let's have it sparkle the fuck up. Let's twilight the shit out of that. <laughs> yes, they really <laughs> like, hey, look what we can do. Like, we know we're good at animating. Yeah, it's great. Uh, in the meantime, while this is all happening, Haku, who is actually not going to die as, um, unlike what Zaniba said, she said this, the curse was fatal. Um his curse actually gets broken by Chihiro and her like affection towards Haku. So he is alive and well, which Chihiro is unaware of this. She went through all these great lengths to help save Haku. He confronts Yubaba and makes a deal with her that if he gets her child back, which is hitching a ride with Chihiro at um, Swamp Bottom, if she can get him back, then she will tear up Chihiro's contract and she will return her family to the, the human world. Um, so 
she agrees. She said, fine, if you can do this, consider it done. Although with a caveat, you or I get to put Chihiro through one more test. And if she fails, she's my servant forever. And Haku's Bitch. like, fine, cool. I got faith. The ultimate showdown. Yup. <laughs> so after Chihiro visits with Zeniba, Haku shows up late, shows up, and takes Chihiro back to the bathhouse. And of course, they're going in style in his dragon form. And this is when we get another flashback. And this time it's of an actual, we realize it's an actual river, and it's her and Haku. And then that's when she has her little epiphany and she goes, Haku, I know your name. You're, uh, you're the Kohaku River. And after hearing this, which I, I think this part is probably one of my favorite animations in the movie, is you see the dragon scales all like shimmer and then like just shed and he comes into his human form again. But he realized like his true name he remembers now and he's pretty much set free officially of like all the curse because he's finally remembered his name and i'm not gonna lie seeing the like the river spirit earlier on when he was transforming i legitimately thought he was going to turn into like a river or something at that point <laughs> and i'm just like wait What's going on? Like, I thought he was going to... Because I saw the scales leave, so I was like, wait, is he going to transform into, like, the like a different dragon without the scales? But no, he just goes back to his human form. But I still like the transformation regardless. Yeah, that was a really yeah. beautiful scene with the scales flaking off and everything. I love it. Well, I think that I think that's what is the best part about this scene, though, is that the emotion is just as beautiful as the animation. Mm -hmm. I, I I think that this is probably my favorite part of the film, hands down, um, especially because it's just like this guy, after years of not knowing who he is, finally is reconnected with his true identity. Again, I can't imagine how liberated he must feel and and to feel free after being imprisoned by stupid bitch <laughs> and i found just looking back at their names and everything like their servant names i find it very unsettling that so they forget their names but the worst part is their names that they take up as servants are a f part of their original name so they're so close to the truth and knowing their true identity it's right there in front of them but they don't realize it like kohaku river she, um she took mm -hmm. the and the river part and just left Haku. So he's just a fraction of what he used to be. And then with Chihiro, the kanji that her name is made up of, the chi part of Chihiro can also yeah. be used, um, can be pronounced um, sen in some words. So when she took oh, Chihiro, wow. she left the sen portion. So it's part of her name is just not her name. It's, I found yeah, it really you, weird. Yubaba, Yubaba is not kosher. No, I, I'm not, really I'm not down with Yubaba. <laughs> That's another cultural thing that, like, if you didn't know any better, because you would understand that Kohaku and Haku, but then you'd just like, Chihiro and Sen, how the hell do you get that? Without yeah, actually, like, looking it up. Yeah, that's just the fact that kanji can take different um, pronunciations. And, of course, that's, like you said, culture. But I found it really cool because... She's just taking part of them and leaving a little bit behind, even though they'll never remember it in most cases. I mean, Very... you would just go back to Josh and I would go to Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so after going back to Spirit Away, after this whole transformation happens in the sky and he's still able to fly, he gained his divine powers or whatever, from realizing who he was he's still able to fly and he brings everyone back to yubaba where the final test is underway and before she can officially be free yubaba's test is to choose her parents the ones that turned into pigs 
out of the i think there was 10 pigs lined up and she goes mm-hmm. if you choose correctly you're free if you don't you're you're stuck here forever and she takes a look at all of them and then she looks and she goes it's none of them and yubaba's like are you sure trying to like freak her out and she goes yes she's not here and then you see her contract of uh with chihiro just poof just like burst into the confetti or whatever it was and she passed the test and now she's free from the curse and she's able to leave this spirit world and her parents are returned to her and she's like saying goodbye to everyone everyone's saying bye and she goes back almost the way she came she sees her parents and they all exit through the tunnel and you look back at the wall and it's changed and it's no longer the same appearance it had when they first enter which could be a lot of symbolism with how the gate has closed like she's free from the spirit Mm -hmm. world she's officially back we don't have no inception ending where everyone's still (laughs) deciding whether or not he made it back or whatever (laughs) and her parents though don't seem to recall anything that happened from the time they like were pigs or when they enter but they Mm -hmm. get to the car and notice it was like dusty or whatever and that's about it and as they're leaving chihiro's hair tie that she received from zuniba ends up glowing just briefly and Mm. it's a little maybe homage or a little hint stating that despite her leaving the spirit world and or leaving everything and not being able to see the friends she made her friends are still beside her and kind of how you mentioned earlier about his mizaki is saying like spirits are in everything now like the spirits are literally in her hair tie Mm. yeah i think it was definitely a little hint to her like friendship she made and the the struggle she endured it will always be with her absolutely and that's pretty much the end of spirited away so we talked obviously we were talking throughout the whole thing but now that it's a finish do you have any other like kind of like last comments you want to say about the film that we didn't really go over well well, we kind of like skipped over Lynn, who is just such an amazing character. And I, I love the sister kind of relationship that she has with Chihiro throughout. Also, if you're listening to the English dub version, it's the voice of Meg from Hercules. So who doesn't love Meg from Hercules? <laughs> I was unaware of that. I was unaware of that as yeah. well. Well, there you go. Something else to love about it more the next time you watch it. <laughs> um but yeah no um that that's really the only thing that i i feel that that deserves to be talked about a little bit because lynn is an amazing character and such a beautiful spirit because everyone else kind of has deformities and shit but she looks great she does look (laughs) the most human which is honestly besides like haku that is a little odd if you think about it yeah i think um i mean obviously it was happenstance that she would stumble into the boiler room and uh, Kamaji would pass her off but I think this also was really comforting to Chihiro being in a world where nobody was like you seeing something that was so mm. familiar she was able to give her trust like and follow break down the defenses yeah yeah and like you said mm-hmm. I see that skip over her and kind of when a little bit of an injustice there <laughs> but <laughs> I'm here for that though I'm here for that justice yes <laughs> we also skipped over the whole uh, no face running a muck scene, but yeah, we but talked I mean, about no is, face. He, quite he a bit. served his purpose. Yeah, and and again, like this is this is to show case that she is not like the others. Mm-hmm. Like no face was really there to highlight how good Chihiro was. Right. Even when he was running a muck, she wasn't accepting gold. She still had everything that she had her goal her mindset on she was gonna do 
your pile of gold is not going to deter me. I'm still going to say thank you, please. I appreciate you, all that. But at the end of the day, your material items are not worth as much as the emotional um, things that I have. Yeah, absolutely. So a little side note I want to mention briefly, uh, something that I didn't realize because I watched it in the English dub version, but at the very end of the movie when they're standing at the tunnel about to leave, Chihiro, before she turns to the car, her dad mentions that he's worried about Chihiro leaving or living at a new place and going to a new school. And she responds, I think I can handle it. But in the Japanese version, Chihiro doesn't respond at all, and she just turns and walks to the car. And from doing research, Miyazaki confirms that Chihiro actually forgets all of her memories after leaving the spirit world, which I found personally that leaving or watching the dubbed version, it was hard to believe that she forgot it just because of her response. The, I think I can handle it, kind of makes me think she was reflecting back to the past events and like, if I can handle that shit, I can handle a fucking school with some <laughs> other snot-nosed brats. Like, I I didn't get that feeling that she forgot her, her, her past. But I wanted to know if, this is also a question for you, Bobby, if, if either of you had the thought that she forgot had forgotten her past or if you guys got the vibe that she remembered it and would carry it with her no i i, I don't know if i agree i mean i know that it's miyazaki's project and if he says it <laughs> that's the truth but i'm just going to choose to ignore it because i felt that the emotional resonance that i got with her saying no i can handle that and it just leaves that one lasting the, that one last note you know that you hear in a symphony that just kind of gives you a little choked up mm-hmm. and, and your throat kind of clenches um that i don't know if i would have had that if, if if she just turned away and and didn't say anything and forgot everything agreed so i don't know bobby what do you think see i actually ended up seeing both endings because the one i watched a couple of days ago was the japanese version and i think it so mine is a kind of complicated of both yes and no. As in, she doesn't... I believe she probably for. If he says it's forgot, I could see how she forgot. But it's like subconscious, subconsciously, she did not. Because of the ribbon that glowed at the very end and the, how he Ooh. believes that spirits are in everything, the reason she like stays silent and doesn't answer and just kind of heads to the car it's kind of like she has a feeling something went on but she doesn't know it almost like how like you're entrapped in that world as you were saying like you're so close to the truth but you're not there with the whole naming thing i feel like that's very much of how like this ending is with the hint of the glow with the hair time and her not saying anything but she's not sulking either as like she was at the beginning of the movie so you know she went through something but even she doesn't know but she has like this newfound confidence so it's like a yes and a no at the same time wow i like that um, bobby twist my arm i'll watch the japanese version. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because uh, one thing i was reading when i was looking up stuff people were saying like um, something Zaniba said to her while she was in her house, she mentioned, because Chihiro was mentioning how she can't remember like anything about Haku or her parents trying to figure out how to bring them back. And she said, just because you don't remember doesn't mean it's not there or something along those lines. So some people oh, are making yeah. the argument that just because she doesn't remember the events, her body still does. She grew, like her soul grew from it even though it's not in her forefront, like her forethought. And if I recall uh, from the ending, I know I kind of like fast forward through the ending because it hit the credits and I was like, I was trying to see if there was after credits things. But when she's driving, I mean, it could just be a kid because I do the same thing. Is she kind of like stared out the window like she was lost in thought. Like, again, like she went through something, but she couldn't remember 
but she knows she did mm. like she what like did something but it's like gone so layered i love so it layered. but but again that that just goes right back to what i've been saying this entire time is that you don't have to be spoon-fed everything mm-hmm. Just be smart about it. Use your mind. Yeah. Take take the journey and and come up with come up with uh, you know your own interpretation. Besides it's not the a end, like Shyamalan movie, like they don't explain <laughs> everything. Besides the exactly. end, we know she officially escaped, and we're not left like an in inception to this day of if he's left or came back. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm gonna say uh, the sign us off with a few facts and then uh we'll have you put your plug in Derek. cool so some facts nearly and now i was trying to find this i was pretty sure every single character was hand drawn in this film um i couldn't find anything saying every character was but nearly every character in this film was hand drawn which amazes me because like in kamaji's boiler room you have those little soot those soot spirits all of those are hand-drawn. There's not copy and pasting involved in that. It's just he drew every single one. It's fantastic. And I think it brings the film to life so much more because you have that personal interaction. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, another fact, if you take the first kanji of Yubaba, which is you, and the first kanji of Zeniba, which is Zeni, and you combine them, it forms the word sento, which actually means bathhouse which I liked. thought that was a cute little wordplay there. Uh, Chihiro was inspired by Miyazaki's friend's daughter. So he um, just inspired the whole character about her, her mannerisms and stuff like that. And the English voice actress for Chihiro, I'm going to say her name wrong. Uh, Devay Chase? Devay, yep, Devay Chase. Is also the voice of Lilo from Lilo and Stitch. Yes, and you want to know something else? She also plays Samara Morgan in The Ring. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. Oh my god, yes. trauma. You're giving me trauma here. Yep, I know. I was really happy that uh, you that we were able to bring that up. Oh I've been god. kind of sitting on pins and needles waiting to give that back. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is fantastic. Yeah, she's she's great. I love I love the day. Wow. But that was my last fact. So, Derek, thank you again for coming on and talking with us. And would you like to take some time and tell us about your podcast and where we can find you? Yeah, sure. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to thank you guys so much for bringing me on. It, it's been a real blast, and I'm happy that I can contribute on an anime and gaming podcast because, gosh darn it, I do not know anything <laughs> about anime or gaming. It was um, fun, though. So that, yeah, but that does lead you to my podcast because I do know movies. Um, and my podcast, The Man on a Mattress Who Watches Movies, is a show where I bring on guests with similar or sometimes dissimilar opinions about movies and we just kind of talk about the facts and about the film themselves um the last one that we did was halloween featuring falk bengelsdorf from germany um so if anyone is interested in listening to that you can find us on google podcasts apple podcasts spotify and more and uh, we released episodes every week on sunday but I think season three is coming out November 22nd. So Perfect. And um, yeah, your fa- your podcast is fantastic. And I just recently listened to your latest Halloween one, which was a really fun one. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I just wanted something to do during this pandemic. And it's turned into and just a hobby that I absolutely love. And I'm really happy. Oh, yeah. And um, I Duh, <laughs> guys, listen to the episode that has Joshua featured on as well. <laughs> Bobby, I don't know if you heard it. Yes. Um, perfect. Uh, and so that gives me the opportunity to invite you on as well, Bobby, if you are ever interested. If you ever do Now You See Me, I, that is still to this day my favorite movie. So if you ever want to do that one, I am 100% down. <laughs> Okay, perfect, because I do not like that movie, so this is going to be a <laughs> <What>? good conversation. <laughs> yeah. oh. 
Uh oh. Oh, that's gonna. Yeah. That, well, that, that's gonna be good. We'll get. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah. Again, guys, thank you so much. I I truly appreciate it, and I cannot wait to come on again. Hopefully. Yeah. If you uh, have a show in or film in mind that would apply, because I didn't you watch your name recently? Oh my gosh, yeah, and I would absolutely love to talk about it because the animation style in that movie is some of the best I've ever seen, yes. period. So we'll ever. have to uh, <laughs> brush up on that and I don't think have I've you seen on again. That. There you go. You have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we have, a, we have a new one set for the future. Yay. All right. So, and for us, if you want to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, you can find us at Weepspawn, guys. And if you have any questions, concerns, or recommendations, feel free to email us, weepspawn at gmail.com. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And with our guest host, Derek, we will see you guys all next time when we Weebspawn.